1: The views expressed in this presentation are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Army War College, U.S. Army, or Department of Defense.
0: Welcome to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast. I'm Ron Granary, Professor of History at the Department of National Security and Strategy at the U.S. Army War College and podcast editor of the War Room. It's a pleasure to have you with us. The Army War College is devoted to the challenge of identifying and developing strategic leaders. Leadership development, however, is not a one-way street. It requires interaction between the individual and the organization and the management of feedback loops that, ideally, should help recognize and maintain existing strengths while also identifying and ameliorating any weaknesses. Our guest today has studied the problem of feedback and leadership development and joins us to discuss what the Army has done in this field and what it can do going forward. Lieutenant Colonel Mike Shaw, a member of the U.S. Army War College Class of 2022, is a 21-year Army aviator with a doctorate in human resource management with special emphasis on leader development from LSU. This summer... He is about to start a new position as an instructor at the U.S. Naval War College. In his free time, Mike works alongside LSU's Leadership Development Institute, where they are exploring the domain of self-development among professionals. All topics for our discussion today. Welcome to A Better Piece, Lieutenant Colonel Shaw. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. So, Mike... uh, Anybody could read your bio and they get a sense of how you got into this topic, but tell us about uh, what brought you to it and how does it relate to what you've done in your year at the War College? Uh,
1: Well, Ron, I uh, I fell into this topic with the fact that uh, I've just enjoyed throughout my entire career developing soldiers, uh, working with, seeing, and doing, Uh, and and in doing so on top of that, you also, as we know, as officers manage your own careers, Uh, and and so doing that There's, there's been gaps or I perceive there've been gaps that I have found as to, you know, information that has been lacking or data that I was unaware of, or, you know, other, other type processes that you go through inside the organization, things that I can't provide to soldiers, uh, for example, as a battalion commander, right? Uh, If people are passed over for promotion, uh, you're given the listed names and you're asked to call them in and, and let them know that they will, they were not picked up this year and they will not be promoted. Difficult in that is that's where the information stops. So uh, you know, and without doing deep analysis, and with, and even that is limited to some point. Uh, you know, I'm I'm making or leaders are making estimates as to why those individuals weren't picked up, uh, you know, why they weren't selected for previous jobs, or or where they, uh, or or why options didn't happen. So. Uh, the information of feedback is important to me because as an organization as large as we are in the military, in the Army specifically, right, uh, it's important because we're, we're a soldier first, right? We're people first. We've heard the chief say this numerous times. And to do that, development is key.
0: Right. You know, I, I think about this uh, based on what we've talked about before and what, we, what you just said. The whole problem of uh, success has many parents, but failure is an orphan. Uh, A variation of that is uh, when you're giving somebody good news, uh, they don't need to hear an explanation, even though they'd love to hear it. When when you give somebody bad news, um, they probably want an explanation, but most institutions are especially loath to give it. Um, In the civilian world, there's a lot of talk about this. It's a a legal matter, right? As I can't tell you why you didn't get promoted because I don't want to somehow open a can of worms or provide an angle for litigation. But even in the army, right, that 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 problem of when you tell somebody they're passed over, um, how do you explain it to them, or do you just say sorry, I can't tell you anything else? And related to that is when you know that somebody may be on a path where they're not on their way to success. At what stages can you give them
1: feedback that might be able to help them get back on that path? Well, Ron, I think that's where one of the uh, the difficulties in the feedback process within the army. Uh, Or one of the struggles, I should say. I mean, the army obviously been producing leaders for hundreds of years, so we have a process down, and it's working. It's so this isn't a we're failing and we need to write the ship. But on the same side, we we can get better. Mm -hmm. And you know, the aspect of uh, right now, I think we have a tendency to focus on organizational feedback and the success we have there Mm -hmm. through. Uh, through promotion cycles, right? We can talk about the percentage of officers and what branches they were, and what what genders or ethnicities or breakdowns, and how they work and where they work. Um, but as you just pointed out, um, f- too often we don't have the information, nor do we promote, and I don't mean that in a you know in a, in a professional sense, but nor do we, I guess, emphasize those gaps in people's evaluations or the or their performance. Um, a lot of, t- I mean, that's in in essence and in regulation. That's what the evaluation is for, right? We're supposed to document pros and cons, um, but because of the organizational structure and the need to promote and the. Inability to identify failure inside some of those systems, right, and provide that feedback, whether it's negative or because it can stop a career from progressing, um, you know, with the, there now becomes limitations, and so we start to see uh, lack of counselings. We start to see evaluations that are highly enumerated because. Uh, a middle middle check and a middle comment is no longer success, right? Being the cog in a machine is not successful. You have to be the best of the best of the best. And so um while I'm not saying we shouldn't strive to find those people, I think unfortunately, we possibly are we are uh, falsifying mm-hmm. the confidence and the success of individuals yeah. for the sake of the organizational need to promote. This is this is good, and, and this makes me think of
0: another cliche that, that that comes to mind whenever I talk about evaluation. And this is the Lake Wobegon fallacy, right? The idea that uh, the the great village that uh, Garrison Keillor used to talk about and NPR, and he'd say it was where all the well women are strong, the men are good looking, and all children are above average. Um, is that we can't all be above average, and the and yet if we're honest, right, we want people to strive to be better, as you've said, but we should be able to be honest about that, that you're not perfect. And yet if we create a situation where if I, as a, as a raider, um, am not allowed to say anything, even mildly unenthusiastic about you without torpedoing your career, then my incentives are to overstate the positive and leave the negative for somebody else to discover after you've been promoted, I guess. Um, and how do we, how should the army, or how can the army as an organization get beyond that? Do you think?
1: well in in my research i guess i kind of i see it as three different ways and it's 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 kind of written that way in regulation as well but right we have we have short term feedback which is supposed to address that that individual and immediate need there should be that counseling that you know that we are we have documented and that we are recording and we are using deliberately in the evaluation process to move forward And then and to get to those further points, we then should have that midterm of coaching, right? That longer vision of what someone needs and how they need to do that, right? Coaches are developing skills for not your current assignment, but for the next assignment. You know, if you're going to be a staff officer, you need to start working on your brevity of writing. So maybe you have to start working on some writing topics or doing some analysis of reading articles and condensing them down to you know, their thesis and main points so that you can pull the information from an op order or from an X order from, you know, research that you're doing to help out your boss. Right. And then to the long term of mentorship, I think one of the problems we run into or one of the difficulties is that we document the regulation, the short term, right? Counseling is very specific Mm -hmm. and evals are very specific. What you do, when you do, how you do, how often you do. Unfortunately, we don't even follow our regulations very often, right? Uh, the NCO you know, NCO evaluations and counseling forms, mandatory in the NCOER, the non-commissioned officer uh, evaluation report, mandatory to put the dates that you've that you've been counseling and that you've counseled your individuals. But by record, we show in the system of record through the uh, ESS process that we're not submitting the counselings. The documents aren't in there. They're not being reported. And so, you know, we fall back to that article of... Uh, I cannot remember the author right now, but uh, are we lying to ourselves You know, within the, uh, the officer corps and the aspect of, I can't even submit an NCOER right now without putting those dates in there, whether they're factual or not. And so the, the organizational need to accomplish the bureaucratic process of submitting a form and filling out a form uh, is overriding the overall process of actual individual development of taking time developing counseling making someone better at that individual level um, mm-hmm. you know and then as we go to regulations right there's there's no regulations to talk about coaching
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but you know it is it is a, it is a full sub paragraph in there that's referenced and then even even less so to mentorship and so as you go down and you see those words they're used together right we want to teach coach and mentor mm-hmm. and a lot of times you see those in briefings you see those in regulations but they're just consumed as one topic when we know for a fact Counseling and the immediate feedback of evals is separate and a total different training strain than coaching, Mm -hmm. which is then a total different training strain than mentorship. And yet we assume that a leader, regardless of their position, is doing all three Mm -hmm. simultaneously and across the spectrum of whomever they're working with. And I'm thinking about this as well, is it's expected
0: that you, when you're a company commander or a battalion commander, right, that you are supposed to be evaluating the people under you. But Are you ever and should the army do a better job uh, training officers to evaluate, to coach, to mentor? In other words, right? You know, outside of being evaluated by your superiors, right? Do you ever should we have more experiences where officers sit down with superior officers to talk about the process? Uh, there's no joke in the academic biz that people say is, you know, every every graduate student is waiting for that moment when they get taught how to grade papers. And then they, su- they suddenly discover that that moment never comes, right? Suddenly you're teaching a class and people turn in papers and you're expected to grade them. And you're, it's sort of assumed that you picked this up along the way.
1: Um, right. Could we do better with that in the Army? So my understanding right now, with the limited research that I have, and it is it is limited this time, is that yeah, there there is a gap currently right now. Looking at some of the programs of instruction for the basic officer leadership course and for the captain's career course that I did within uh, did during my research, is I came across uh, TRADOC's documents that there is no feedback education. There is no process or time put aside. And right. That's, that's always the crux of the problem. Time is always, is always the issue, right? Do you, do you not teach someone Latin nav or do you not teach them how a specific skill works within their MOS? Or do you, you know, what do you take out to replace with another? Cause we can't always just expand, right? You can't have officers in training for three years before you send them out to the force, nor will that be helpful. So we struggle on the fact that We teach them how to complete the operational side. Here's how you fill out the form. Here's how you put a name in. Here's what you're supposed to do. Here's how often it's supposed to happen. But we do no training on how to give feedback. So the first time someone sees it generally in real life is either through their commissioning or school source, which is through ROTC or through the, you know, through the academies. Um, And so, but that's all hands-on training. The second time they see it is then when they get to the operational force and they are, so we'll start, as you said, at the very beginning, right? You have a brand new platoon leader that just leaves school and he has a company commander that is only a few years ahead of him or her that has had the same lack of training that they have. So we're, we're, what we're doing is we're just perpetuating what works for me is what I'm going to teach you. And so if they believe heavily in counseling, because it somehow was ingrained to them by their leadership at some point, as they came up, they're going to do counseling and you're going to pick up on it and you probably adapt to it, but you're picking up individual styles, individual techniques, individual competencies. You're not picking up a process that the army wants us to follow or, um, nor are we developing those skills. So you're right. The, you know, brand new second Lieutenant, you know, doesn't know how to grade a paper, but we (laughs) never, we've, we haven't given them the opportunity to even try it, you know, at the, while they're in school. And then we just hand them off to the force and say, I don't understand why you can't sit down across from a platoon sergeant and tell them that they are struggling.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, that, you know, experience gap, age gap, all that runs into some of those frictions, right. That then leads feedback and why it's so complicated. As you mentioned earlier on the, uh, uh, kind of on the civilian side, sometimes with litigation. Army, not so much litigation, but right, OERs can be contested, NCOERs can be contested, counselings can be contested, people threaten IG, people threaten going to commanders and using open door policies. Uh, I don't believe that it's mostly a, a weaponized process, but right, there is the risk and the concern. I mean, I, my experience, you know, any any OER or NCER that's been contested takes at least six months to go through the process. I mean, so that, you know, if a company commander is in, in command for 12 months minimum, that's half of their command time, even if you're a 24-month commander, right? That's that's still a quarter of your command time dealing with one document and one one point of contention because somewhere in there feedback did not happen until the very end.
0: Right. Yeah. And because and I, I keep thinking about this, that, you know, you may think you're offering constructive criticism, but the person receiving that criticism is like, hey, uh, Lieutenant, you just you just completely messed up my chances of promotion because you had to mention this. Yeah. And I'm going to disagree with you about that. And so, so part of it is the problem of, you know, is the lieutenant properly trained to do it? Part of it is, is the army properly prepared to understand what constructive criticism looks like? Right. And 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 so that, I guess the question is, who, who do we need to teach about that?
1: Well, and that's and that's where we get to the difficulty, of the size of our organization. Right. Mm-hmm. The U.S. Army and then the U.S. military is the largest organization on Earth. I mean, you know, we are the large, I mean, you know, if we were a business, I mean, we're what, all, almost approximately greater than 3 million personnel, civilian and uniformed. Sure. Uh, and that, that in, so- in its own raises some of the problems, uh, you know, some of the, compli- the complications that run into this. Uh, when you look at, so the Army does have the Center for the Army Profession and Leadership, CAPL, yes. is, is an organization, right? And so they're, they're working in hand in hand with, with the Talent Management Task Forces. We look for different prospects and aspects that we can navigate or do better in uh for which to get after some of these topics i mean they have a whole bunch of uh videos counseling support documents uh versions of how a leader can go about managing these kind of steps uh problem is, is, number one, not everyone understands or knows that capital exists, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a side organization that's out at Leavenworth that, you know, until you go to ILE, until you go to, you know, the command general staff college, heck, I didn't know it existed. And I always knew it existed because you ran into it. So there's just, there's a bunch of stuff out there. Again, the army is not necessarily leaving people to flounder. The problem is it's it's hard to collect this kind of information and put it in a point um, that's easily accessible, that is used routinely, and that is then you know able for an entire force to process and use it at a at a at a at a given notice.
0: Sure. So you told me you were you've been a, an ROTC uh, instructor uh, uh, and, and faculty member. Um, w- were you a ROTC? Uh, yourself, or did you come to the into the army in a different way? I was also ROTC, ROTC yes. Right? And so, when you when you compare your experience um, in the training that you got in ROTC and preparing for your uh, officer career, when you speak to folks who went differently, went through OCS, um, went to one of the academies, um, how is it any different? Uh, is there or, or, or in, in materially? I'm sure there are certain. You know, real you know life differences but in terms of the training people receive is there any material difference in the way ROTC officers are prepared for their job as evaluators and feedback givers
1: you know Ron I don't know that I have a, a an accurate answer for you my 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 yeah my expertise is with ROTCs they attempts to process and to develop feedback through miniature evaluation reports that the cadets are then required to fill out and then brief back to their subordinates. So kind of kind of like a mini counseling and mini OER process after each kind of leadership event takes place. So I know ROTC deliberately makes an attempt, but again, it's mostly in the aspect of filling out a form, trying to identify what worked and what did not work. And then the engagement of the person to person interaction is kind of left to the two individuals. I mean, Mm -hmm. unless there's, unless a fight breaks out, right. There's, you know, there's, there's no, right. It's, it's left to the two individuals to work out between sharing of information. And is that information received that communication process, which is interesting because, you know, communication in itself, right. Uh, The data that we collect and see shows that, um, you know, the annual survey on leadership, Army, the Army says, the Army soldiers report back across all compos that we're struggling in the aspect of developing others, that we're lagging behind in that aspect. For the past 14 years, we've shown that. But on the flip side, we say that we're communicating highly effectively. So it's really interesting when we talk about the leader competencies that we identify as struggling, but are directly connected to others that we say we're doing exceptionally well in. So uh, you know, it's one of those that scratches my head, but uh, but again, past fourteen years, the aspect of developing others, regardless of what platform you came across, whether you're an NCO, whether you're an officer, whether you're a warrant officer, regardless of what compo you're in, we've identified that the Army's ability to develop others is lagging behind, and has consistently done that for a little, over a decade. Right.
0: Uh, uh, our managing editor, Buck Haberichter, notes in the comments, of uh, he looked it up when we couldn't, and that is that the article lying to ourselves was by two faculty members here at the U.S. Army War College, Stephen Garris and Lenny Wong. Um, Thank you. That's right. Yep. We, we will not, we will not note that on your fitness report, uh, Mike, that, that you didn't <laughs> remember the author. But, but the, um, but that, that is, that is a, a uh, this is obviously a, a question that, you know, continues to bedevil, right? You know, since developing leadership is uh as I've, I've, I make this reference too often, but I'll make it one more time, right? We're back to the, it's like pornography, right? It's, uh, it's hard to define, but you know it when you see it. Um, that, uh, that we don't know, you can't say exactly what's going to work for everybody, but you have to come up with some kind of processes that allow you to evaluate in every individual on a way that is fair to everyone. And in a, in a way that is comparable across the organization, and so that's where to figure out you know what constitutes good feedback. Um, you know, how does one fill out the forms correctly? Right. These are these are serious questions that are that that mask even I guess even bigger questions. Right. You know, doing the doing the the process correctly is an important thing, but behind that is you know, heck, if I do the process correctly, um, am I really sure? that this person is a good leader? I mean, outside of watching them, what they do in the job that they get. And sure. and where do we have a sense um, in the feedback process? I'm thinking not just the feedback between the individual and uh, his or her raters, but are there moments where the process will look at this person and say, um, in previous evaluations, these were noted as strengths. These were noted as areas that need further development. And we are able to compare their actual performance to what was said before. Or do we? Or is every is every new evaluation a uh, a, a brand new experience?
1: Well, except for my understanding, except for board processes, right, when the board sits down to evaluate for something specific for a job or something, when they have your evaluations, it's the only time anyone's really looking over unless you're doing some deliberate, you know, like you referenced, individual counseling where a senior leader asks you for documents and you provide them so they can look over. But again, that's only personal – that's personal judgment. Now, granted, they they may – we deem them as successful because of the positions they're in or we respect what they have to say because of who they are, your working your individual workings with them. But that doesn't necess- necessitate that they can, they can decipher through, right? Because if we're not including those gaps in those evaluation forms, then all you're going to see is positives. And so we're trying to look through the lukewarm words of done good and trying to determine, well, what does that exactly mean? And where exactly is the struggle besides the fact that done good is not, uh, is not as strong as exceptional or supreme or dominant uh, a term to be used for an individual?
0: Yeah, uh, it, it, here's a question that you know for many of our audience, of course, is made up of people who have been in this business for a while and have done these things. But I'm going to ask this from a from a perspective of relative ignorance, uh, as somebody who works for the army but has never been in the army. And that is, at what stage in an officer's career is the officer rating the most people? Is it as a as a platoon leader, as a as a company commander, as a battalion commander, um, or higher up? Uh, where does, where does your sort of your number of people you're expected to evaluate, get the biggest?
1: Ron, being that I, c- I can only speak to to the jobs that I've had, sure. I would look your- at looking at the, looking at the numbers of officers that we have, I would say a battalion commander kind of is where it kind of peaks. I'm assuming mm-hmm. there might be some divisions that have a mass amount of colonels or lieutenant colonels that, that a couple of the, uh, general officers are managing quite a bit, but even at the, even at a brigade level, when you're, when you think of a, a brigade commander and a, what a, what a O six is looking at. Uh, there's only so many Lieutenant colonels and majors that they have in that footprint. So they're kind of limited, uh, aviation's a little weird in the, in, in how we do things with the quantity of warrant officers and, and the grouping that there are. So, uh, my profile or the, the population that I had was fairly large, mm-hmm. uh, when I was, when I was responsible for doing that. And, and, you know, my observation through that event, through that command cycle, was the the biggest hindrance is time because mm-hmm. if you commit to doing counseling if you commit to giving feedback and giving quality feedback not to say my feedback was right so I'm not even going write the right. feedback I could have given those individuals could have been way off base but to just do that just to just to block out 30 minutes a, 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 a person to give them the opportunity to come in and sit down and we're only talking about maybe at the end of an evaluation period for those that I was, you know, possibly senior rating or anyone that wanted to come in and talk But 30 minutes of time. And I think I had a population of about 92 warrant officers. You know, that's, that's, that's a chunk of time that, that just get, that goes away. And that's uh, you know, and as we all know, time is something you can't get back. You can't buy more of it. You can't do. And so that 30 minutes, number one, you want it to mean something to those individuals on top of that you want to make sure that you're hopefully guiding them in the right direction and you know third it, you know that that's time that you can't commit to something else
0: yeah right i was thinking about that yeah i mean 98 people right uh, if you gave everybody half an hour right that's a uh, that would be a you could have a full week right coming in every morning and and at the end of every day and of course you're not going to do that so if you spread it out over 2 3 weeks then the gap between the first person that you've counseled and the last person that you counseled gets bigger as well. And yep. I think about this as a, as a, you know, these are, as we say, these are practical problems and they are, you know, for want of a better term, right. They are profound, abstract sort of moral and intellectual problems, right. Is how do we know we're doing it right?
1: No, you're, you're absolutely right. And the, the way the as you, is, you know, through your time as a, as a civilian, the most of the way we do that in the army is through regulation, right? Mm-hmm. If we, if we regulate it, if we, uh, provide documentation of what should be done and how we, how it must be done. We can try to gauge uh, the output that's going to happen. The difficulty is, is all of that is when you should do it, how you should do it, not the why you should do it, right? So it doesn't really give you the how to go through the process and what you should be seeing at the end state, but they're giving you the, again, the the bureaucratic, again, me- most necessarily needed, the organizational need of filling out the forms so that we can build these population centers so we can move forward and decide who should continue to be promoted and who should serve in what next jobs. And as we spent this last you know 30 minutes talking, you know, We've hovered mostly around that individual feedback and that counseling and uh, counseling level and the evaluation level. We haven't even talked the Army's desire for coaching, mm-hmm. let alone mentorship, which adds extreme complications to commitment, process, time, um, energy – Etc.
0: Yeah. And because uh, related directly to that is that ideally you would want the people who would do the coaching to be your, your most successful and exemplary officers. And those people are being given uh, positions and of increasing responsibility. So are you going to say, congratulations, you're a brigade commander as an 06? Oh, but by the way, we also think you're so good at what you do that we want you to be a, uh, to, to mentor and to coach uh, a, a broader number of folks. Um, as you as you think about going forward with your your research project and the recommendations that are in it, and in your future career, if you're going to go on to Newport to the Army to the Naval Navy War College to to work in in PME, um, do you see a do you see potential connections between the research that you've done and the kinds of things that you would like to both learn and teach
1: going forward on this subject? I I do, Ron. Um, I. I see potential in the aspect that I don't know that we're necessarily going to change the system, nor that we necessarily need to change the system. But I think these are questions that have to be asked, right? We have to address the fact that there is a gap in some of these areas. And in doing so, number one, personally, I know that I will attempt to spend time and energy because of it, it's a personal passion, it's a personal belief, and I believe there's research out there that I can support to say that yes, this you know feedback is an area that we as leaders, especially as senior leaders, need to take note of. We need to spend more time and energy. You know, if if people first is truly what we need to do, then how best to develop people than to provide them feedback throughout the beginning, middle, and end of their career, right? For the long term, the midterm, and the short term, uh, a way to do that. I think is you know the army's attempted to do that now they have a new coaching program that's out the difficulty in the in their in their coaching program is they want to certify f- per, uh, professional coaches which is great i mean what a great aspect what a great aspiration i should say caveat to that is it's number one limited in size. Mm-hmm. So if the army is at a million a million soldiers right now approximately, right? We we are going to only certify very few. Number one. Number two, they want senior individuals as you just said. So they want, you know, they want people that are already have increasing work schedules to spend time uh for 4 months for 3 days a week for 3 hours a day to study coaching which again is 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 the right answer But who are you going to get that's going to apply to that? If you're one of those hard-charging professionals that we talked about that's looking to excel, that's looking to show their boss they're engaged, how many of those individuals are going to raise their hand and how many of the bosses are going to say, you know what, that's a good idea. You're a great leader and we need to develop you further. So why don't you take this time out while we're in the middle of this CTC rotation or as we prep to deploy? Why don't we stop doing that and why don't you focus on counseling and getting a certification in that regard. So my question is who's actually going to be certified in the coaching? What quality of leaders are we going to have? Uh, what type of person are we, are we going to have doing that? And then what are those limited numbers going to do? I'm not sure what the total number is, but I mean, I can assume that we're probably doing maybe a hundred this year. Uh, you know, so what is a hundred new coaches going to do for the, the scope of the army and in coaching? Um, it's a right for, it's a good first step. Uh, it's good that they're attempting a program, but, you know, but it's one of those things that I don't know. How, can I bring coaching to PME as I go to Naval? Can I talk about those aspects? I think just identifying the and differentiating that there's something different between individual counseling and evaluation at that that short-term level, and there's something different when we talk about coaching and then there's something even more different when we talk about mentorship will be something that I can talk, trying to break those three apart and understand that it's not the same thing. And it's not just because you're in charge that you are mentoring someone or, you know, positional authority does not mean that you're necessarily coaching somebody. So, um, you know, trying to break that is something that I think I can bring with me as I move forward. Well, I hope you can. It's certainly a good
0: start. I'm glad that we had you here at Carlisle at the War College for you to uh, develop your thinking on the subject. And I'm really delighted we we're able to get you onto a better piece to talk about it. Thanks, Mike Shaw, for joining us. No, i Thanks, Ron. I appreciate it. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much. And thanks to all of you for listening in. Please send us your comments on this program and on all of our programs and send us your suggestions for the future. Please rate and review this podcast on your podcatcher of choice after you have subscribed to A Better Peace because you know you should subscribe to A Better piece so that you never miss one of these conversations. Uh, we look forward to welcoming you to future meetings here on A Better Peace. And until next time, from the war room,